do we want everybody in the world to be orange-pilled and to share in all of the shared values uh, of the Bitcoin community? And do we think that's a realistic goal? Or do we want as many people as possible to use Bitcoin as a thing, even though they might not share in the values and just you know, don't give a fuck? Hello there. How are you all? Did you all have a good weekend? I hope you did. I had a great weekend. So, quick update on Rail Bedford. We won again on the weekend, and we've got a massive week ahead. We have the cup final on Wednesday here in Bedford. Hopefully, we'll win that. Hopefully, I'll see some of you there. And on Saturday, we play away to Chenex. And if we win that, we've all but won the league. So, it's a massive week ahead. We've also got our live events coming up. On the 14th, on Friday the 14th of April, we've got Jeff Booth, Ben Ark, James Lavish and Lawrence Lepard all coming to Bedford for a What Bitcoin Did Live. You can get tickets for that at whatbitcoindid.com, clicking on WBD Live. And on the Saturday, we have our final home game of the season. I know a bunch of you are coming to that. So looking forward to all that. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got Serge Cotlier on the show. Now, I first interviewed Serge about four years ago. It was April 2019, which feels like an absolute lifetime ago. So when he was in London recently, I asked him to come into the studio and drop some fire on the podcast. Now, the night before this interview, we went out, we had a few old fashions, we got talking, and we decided it was time to do a bit of a different show, to do a Bitcoin reality check. Now, with Serge running an e-commerce business, which uses Bitcoin He's definitely somebody to listen to, definitely to hear about his experience of building a business that accepts Bitcoin. And so we got into a whole bunch of different things. We got into conflicting ideologies about Bitcoin, the different Bitcoin missions and cultures, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, I really enjoyed this, and I know you will. But if you've got any feedback, you can hit me up. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com, or you can jump into our Discord or join our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash whatbitcoindid. I'm not a fucking lefty. <laughs> I'm not a fucking. Uh, get I, didn't about say, I didn't say you're a lefty. You fucking did. No, I was saying that the, the, get, get the, the, the is hating you for being a lefty. Some do. That's, that's, that's a different thing. Yeah. Some of the older ones or the larpers. The um, I think it's actually some of the newer ones. No, let's. Well, so it, the newer ones who the were. That's what you mean. I mean, when you, I, I consider like 2017 and the. And the past to be the neurons. Well, even yeah, newer but, than that. But there are even newer than that, of course. When I say the newer ones, I mean like there's going to be people who are trying to make a name for themselves. And so it's hard to make a name for yourself going against consensus. Tell me about it. So you go with <laughs> consensus. And it's just, I sometimes think of it like, I remember when Pomp said they're like extremists and he got so much hate for it. But like, I understood his point in that it feels like a little bit like extremists. It's like, who can be the most extreme? Yeah. Who can be the biggest cock? And sometimes, you know, that happens. But I've, I, I've stood my ground now for five years, my yeah, friend. I respect you for it. And uh, now we have a army of lefties coming into Bitcoin. Do we? Yeah. Which ones? Uh, so Jason Myers just written a book called The Progressive, uh, A Progressive Case for Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, Mark Goodwin, um, well, Anita Posh, but she's been around for a while. Yeah, no, there's a bunch. I mean, there's yeah. also vegetarians or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like, I think if there was like a university course uh, in, in like uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin culture, the, the like uh, classic uh, homework assignments is like explain uh, explain a left-leaning person's, uh, why a left-leaning person would uh, like Bitcoin. Yeah, and it's not so hard. Like you, you don't even have to be left-leaning to, to, to understand it. How the fuck do you uh, open this? I have no idea. These are... Is there like a trick to this? I don't know, man. It's an IQ test. Let's, <laughs> let's race. It's a race. <laughs> <laughs> just... ah, 
There you go. I beat Fuck. you. I oh, know. I'm Roll still not over. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> which side? Which? Where do you pull? I'm not telling you. Oh, fuck. oh this is so tasty. Open. Mm. Oh, this water is so tasty. There we go. <laughs> There's a little bit of paper over it protecting it. It's all a bit unnecessary. They've like reinvented the wheel here, haven't they? They it's said like, that wheel's not round it's, enough. It's a Bitcoin UX. God, I feel it's like, self custodial uh, yeah. <laughs> water bottle. Oh, self custodial. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, this book that Jason's writing, <clears throat> I think I think it's the most important book being written for, uh, about in Bitcoin for uh, conservative Bitcoiners. Yeah, I mean, you need to, you know, yeah, you need to always, uh, even if you don't agree with a political opinion, you need to be able to articulate it in a strong way. Uh, otherwise, uh, like, you know, you're just repeating the same slogans. I think for a different reason. I think we do not need partisan politics in Bitcoin. We want unity Absolutely on agree. this issue. Absolutely agree. Yeah. And I mean, it is uh, you know, money, the money for enemies. So yeah, you, you kind of need the, I mean, it, it is for everyone. It should be for everyone. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even see what, how, it, how it needs to, to relate. It's just a thing. Okay. It's just a <laughs> thing. Bitcoin is just a thing. It's just an app. A, it's just a thing. <laughs> it's an app on your phone. Yeah. You have a number on it, and then you make a thing, and it signs a uh, cryptographic transaction, and the money comes out on the other end. <laughs> we just, uh, Sophia, who's running production for us today, we ah. gave her, a, we got to download her first wallet. Nice. I gave her all the Bitcoin I've received on Nostra, ah. which is like 177,000 sats. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Cheers. We've, we've, uh, we've orange peeled it. All, all that, or she'll just convert and sell them. Buy some beers later and go, yeah, thanks, Pete. See you later, dick. Maybe buy something nice from Bitrefill. <laughs> yeah, get that in there, Bitrefill. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about zero confs. Because, Oof. yeah, let's, let's just yeah. get out. Let's <laughs> just get it straight for the. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's get that one done and out of the way. Just right. so I fully understand what happened. Because, do you know what? I still don't fully understand what's been done that has kind of affected that part of your business model. So, Explain, you, you actually get a chance to do a little ad here. Explain what bit, and I won't charge you. <laughs> Explain what bit refill is and why zero, what zero comps are and why they're, they're an important part of your business. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, bit refill is the number one uh, uh, largest store uh, for real world things <laughs> with Bitcoin. Uh, on is the that internet. truth? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I mean, we're, we're larger than most payment processing networks. Yeah, the Amazon yeah. of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, and so in, in practice, we, 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 the main thing that we sell is, is gift cards, right? So you can go on Bitrefill, yeah, you can buy a gift card for, you know, for hotels.com or for, uh, you know, for f groceries or for electronics or whatever. And then you can go on the e-commerce site or in the physical world or Uber or what have you. Uh, and you just click, click, click and you redeem the code and uh, you, you bought something. Uh, with Bitcoin, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, you didn't, don't need to educate everybody that works at the merchant company because they just see it as a gift card, uh, and they know they have systems for how to deal with uh, with the gift card. So it's in the end, it's actually like a faster and more convenient uh, than even a regular credit card payment online with all of the 3D secures and all of the stuff that's going on these days. Um, so. Uh, and I mean, yeah, gift cards are the number one non-crypto things uh, that people buy 
uh, with Bitcoin, and we're the leading service in that space. Yeah, it's still quite small. You know, we're we're maybe almost medium-sized fish in a very small pond, let's say. Um, and we're trying to make it grow, obviously. And and like on a visionary level, we're trying to create the circular Bitcoin economy, like a world where yeah, opening up your Bitcoin wallet uh, to pay someone and get paid or whatever is uh, no stranger than you know having a call over uh, over Skype or something like that. And uh, and so we we accept Bitcoin. Uh, we have Lightning. We were the first ones to to integrate Lightning. Um, we we do stable coins, Ethereum as well, uh, and some other stuff. Uh, when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, if you if you're not using Lightning, and and today, twenty percent of Bitcoin users use, uh, are paying with Lightning, but the other eighty percent are paying with regular on-chain uh, classic uh, transactions. And is Lightning growing, or is that twenty percent been stable? It's. Uh, so Lightning is growing as a fraction of the Bitcoin share, uh, but the Bitcoin share as a whole is is declining uh, compared to to the general volume. Okay, like, uh, I mean, two years ago, Bitcoin was ninety five percent of of our volume. Uh, today, it's just under thirty. And do you do you know? Is your suspicion is that because there's more crypto people coming in, or there's Bitcoiners who are just starting to use other crypto? There's a lot of reasons. I think the biggest thing is that in the last two years, stablecoins have really been taking off. Okay. Yeah, you have the rapid rise of uh, Tether and Tron in Latin America and so on, yeah, because it turns out that a lot of people, I mean, if you're getting paid uh, in uh, uh, online, uh, say you work remotely or whatever, um, maybe you don't want your uh, your uh, monthly paycheck to be in a currency that is volatile even if it goes up more than it goes down yeah like you know you need to pay rent at the end of the month or or, or whatever and, and so a lot of people prefer yeah to to use a stable coin which then i mean it has a lot of downsides exposes you to to risk uh, of the issuer and all of that stuff right and nonetheless uh, a lot of people prefer that because you get a normal number. Okay, I have 10 bucks, it's 10 bucks. I don't have to do the math of like how many sats that is and uh, and so on. Uh, so so there's a lot of growth in, uh, in, in those things. Uh, and there's also, I think, a tendency that in the broader, the broader crypto ecosystem, like it used to be that Bitcoin was the base money, right? Bitcoin was uh, the store of value, medium of exchange, unit of account. Uh, if you're trading uh, shit coins on an exchange, uh, it used to be that you have to buy Bitcoin and you send it to a special, uh, special shit coin exchange. The trade, you you count how much Bitcoin you made in the end. It was, so it was a medium of exchange, unit of account, store of value, right? And when the shit coins are, are, are like in a bear market, uh, everything's tanking, so you have to fly to safety, so you go out to Bitcoin, right? That was the dynamic. But in, in this cycle, we're seeing a different dynamic, right? Because Bitcoin dominance is not increasing, uh, even though we're we're in a pretty yeah, significant bear market, um, and and the reason is because, like that role is more and more being played uh, by stablecoins, right? So uh, nowadays, uh, I mean, most shitcoin casinos have fiat on ramps uh, right away, but if they don't, you maybe get a stablecoin, you keep it in your MetaMask wallet, uh, you do whatever uh, trading, gambling, uh, what have you that you want to do, and you cash out back to your stablecoin, yeah, and so. There is a flight to safety, but that flight to safety, I think, right now is happening towards stablecoins, right? And so bigger part of the crypto economy is moving to stablecoins from Bitcoin. 
But also there is a lot of circular economy growth, like uh, real people that are getting paid online for doing work. And I mean, this is a, is a massive trend and I think we're just at the start of it. I mean, like we live in a world where more and more people are, you know, what we produce is information. And when you produce information, it doesn't matter where you, uh, where you live, uh, so long as you have internet and a laptop. Uh, and so people work uh, everywhere. I mean, if you live in Nigeria, it's a lot better to work in the US than to, to work in Nigeria. Yeah, and uh, but how do you get paid? Uh, it's surprisingly hard. Yeah, it's super hard for the for the companies as well. I mean, we have a bunch of people at Bitrefill that work all over the place. We have people in twenty six countries on wow. six continents. Yeah, I mean, if we had to deal with the banking systems of all of those countries, it would be a mess. So does every does everyone pretty much get paid on crypto rails? <laughs> sort of. I mean, we also use some like employer record and and so on for some of the bigger countries, but but a lot of people do. So some of the, can you give examples without giving stuff away about employees? Can you give a example country and what you do? I mean, for uh, like for European employees, we, we we use like a company that that company employs the people and that it invoices us and there's companies that offer this service basically. Okay. Yeah, but we also use things like I guess I'll plug Bitwage. It's a great service. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we use that. Uh, to pay people in other places, and then they can plug in, you know, how they want to get paid. If they want to get paid in, in Bitcoin or in a stable coin or like in a Pioneer card or something else, you know, kind of like just agnostic and just handle that in a good way. Um, so anyway, so there's a lot of people that are like making a living online, uh, and for a lot of them, it's, it's, it's hard because the, the payment systems in each country are kind of designed in a world where a country is like an island and it's isolated from the rest of the world. And like, that's not the world we live in. We live in a very globalistic uh, world where most of everything we produce and consume is information and information travels freely. Uh, and then it doesn't make sense that money still follows like old uh, shipping rules <laughs> yeah, with customs and rules. And, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of growth uh, in, in, in that regard. And Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin is still growing, but like stable coins are right now growing faster. And so the share is, uh, is growing up. Anyways, you want to talk about the zero cost? Yeah, stuff or yeah. We, we digressed uh, pretty pretty far. Well, listen, look, s some people listening uh, won't know, <laughs> won't actually know what comps are or why they're sure. important. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you make a Bitcoin transaction, um, you've probably heard of something called the blockchain, right? So uh, the the idea is that when you make a Bitcoin transaction, you you have your uh, cryptographic key that. Uh, uh, it shows that you're the owner of uh, this uh, this unit uh, of uh, of bitcoins, uh, and uh, you make uh, you, you sign a transaction saying this fraction of it goes uh, goes uh, this way. You publish it on the network, right? So you probably heard of people running nodes, uh, right? A node is uh, is a piece of software that uh, connects to the internet, uh, talks to other nodes, uh, see this transaction, they validate it, make sure that there's no nothing. Uh, if it going on, and then pass it around to all the other nodes, right? But but the thing isn't done yet, right? Because then you have the miners. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of episodes about miners. Yeah, uh, we don't so, need to deal so, with too much. Uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, uh, in the time uh, between that, this transaction in, in some seconds it gets passed around across the internet, and then it sits waiting for an average of something like ten minutes uh, until some miner picks it up, uh, puts it in a block mines it and then it's on the blockchain forever and it can't be reversed and all that. But before then, it's, it's called an unconfirmed transaction. So everybody can see it. Mm -hmm. 
Right. It appears in your wallet straight away. Like you it appears it. sometimes wallets will, uh, and they should indicate that hey, you shouldn't really trust this because it's not yet in a block. Something, something could happen uh, to it. Uh, you know, um, I mean, the point of Bitcoin is that we, we have mining and so on, but the transaction is visible and it's there. And so, um, for the longest time, the way that Bitcoin nodes uh, were working and still mostly are uh, is that if they see a transaction that conflicts with another transaction that they have, yeah, they're they're gonna throw it away because they say like, oh no no no, I already have a transaction for that cryptographic key. Yeah, I don't need another one. Yeah, go away. So those transactions don't spread. Yeah, right. Yeah, and this means that there is a certain level of of uh, of reliability to it, yeah, in that you could still have like a miner or someone in cahoots with a miner that would be like, aha, there's this transaction that's waiting to be confirmed. Let's replace it with another one. And that's completely valid according to the Bitcoin protocol rules. But in practice, it's quite hard, right? And if you're buying a $100 Uber Eats uh, gift card, people don't sort of go through the hassle of involving miners to do something that is sort of, you know, I think, Many people would consider it unethical, even though it's like follows protocol rules and whatever. So we never um, you replace it. Is that within when it's still in the mempool? Yeah, or just a block comes out and there's a transaction that conflicts with it. Right. Yeah, and if a block comes out with a conflicting transaction, then, then what's in the block is what counts, right? What's in your mempool it gets evicted automatically, right? Yeah, but this dynamic makes it uh, possible to have. Uh, uh, much less secure, of course, than, than a confirmed transaction, uh, but it's still somewhat secure. Like, uh, like you can absolutely theoretically invalidate, but in practice, it doesn't happen. Like, we've done millions of transactions. We've gotten double spent, I think, once, and it was kind of during because of a bug uh, many years ago that we fixed. And so, so one on. double spent. Yeah, it's, it's in how many transactions? Millions. So I mean, it's uh, it's uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean, super low risk. By base, yeah, I mean, compared to credit cards where you have like five percent, three percent of all transactions are fraud, yeah, it's it's minuscule, right? But it's still there's still a risk, right? It's insecure, right? It's not as secure as taking a flight, but it's more secure than taking a bus. <laughs> yeah, all right, okay, <laughs> right? it's all somewhere right. in there, in, in in that order of of security. But since uh, you know it's not on the chain, it's seen as sort of not. As and we, we need perfect security, even though like even a confirmed transaction, there's scenarios in which it can uh, get uh, reverted in different ways, like blocks can be or uh, what do you call it rewritten and so on. Yeah, rework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but but that's seen as like ah oh, unsafe, and you kind of shouldn't do it. But like everybody that accepts payments with on-chain Bitcoin does the same thing that we do, which is like you see a transaction. You check for uh, for certain properties, like you know, you do like a risk analysis, yeah, and and it's not that complex, and and you accept sort of like okay, this is our level of risk that we can live with, uh, for the sake of because it's a big difference. Uh, say that you're you're trying to do instant, tr- you're trying to be well, I mean, right, instant yeah, transactions. I mean, uh, you know, someone's uh, trying to th- their phone data run out, yeah, uh, and they're sitting on their phone. Uh, Doing something exciting and then it just stopped working and they need to uh, to to refill it right uh, and then it's like yeah it's gonna be ten minutes 
but maybe not. It might be a half hour, it might be an hour, it might be two days, uh, it might be a week. Uh, it depends on things that are outside of your control. Uh, and that's kind of like the default user experience and like people kind of live with it when, when it's an exchange. But like when, or you're, you know, you have your shopping cart ready, you're re ready to click uh, and move on with your life. You kind of just want it done, right? And, and so what we found for us, and again, like all of the other companies that do payment stuff with Bitcoin have found the same thing, is, is that the, the amount of risk is... Uh, uh, is less uh, than the benefits in terms of user experience uh, and you can sort of manage it like there's a lot of safeguards and whatever so it's not just like I'm not saying that you should treat an unconfirmed transaction like uh, uh, like a confirmed transaction is very clearly not uh, but but it's there it's not uh, you know someone said that it's like oh it's like writing something on a postcard like, it's, it's not it, it, it's surprisingly hard like there was an incident um, like a year or so ago, there was a prominent uh, uh, Bitcoin community uh, influential person who, who got scammed uh, uh, somehow and was like, how can I, uh, this is my transaction, I need to double spend it. Uh, and this is a very well connected guy and I actually clocked it uh, because the transaction was far down in the mempool and after I think it was like four or six hours or so, he managed to get in touch with a miner that then replaced the transaction for him. Yeah, but so the requirement. Why did he want to do that? Because he had gotten scammed and sent some uh, some Bitcoin somewhere, and then realized uh, along the way uh, after sending it that no, no, shit, shit, this, this was actually a scam. Yeah, and so he wanted to to, to revert it, and he actually succeeded. Yeah, but but it's required uh, sort of to be a well-connected person uh, to get a solid intro to, to a miner, get that transaction in, uh, the, explain the situation to the miner, get them to buy in and understand, and then they did it. But in that scenario, that miner has to find that block, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what exactly. if a different miner finds that block? Yeah, well, then you're out of luck. But uh, So it's a bit of a gamble as well. Yeah, of course, of course. That's the thing mm. uh, as well, is that if you're colluding with a miner and the miner has 5% of the hash rate, you have 5% chance of succeeding in each block, right? And so if your transaction is some blocks down, then you, you, you can play, you, you'll play that game many times. So the chances go up a little bit. Um, and so there's this policy in the Bitcoin core nodes that uh, dictate this uh, behavior that it won't send around the transaction that conflict with previous transactions. And there was a feature introduced like five years ago uh, called Replace by Fee, which yep. uh, lets you replace by fee. Uh, and there was a, a specific flag uh, that if you have it, then this transaction is replaceable. And the nodes are like, ah, oh, it's a replaceable transaction. I can replace it with this one instead. Right. And so what happens is uh, merchants such as us uh, would be like, ah, oh, this is a replaceable transaction. All right, that guy's got to wait. Uh, ah, you, so, yeah. <laughs> so so if it's one that can be replaced, you you ignore you just yeah. you you wait for what? Yeah, it, one confirmation, two, yeah, three, one confirmation, one confirmation. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, these are like uh, that feature is only available in like very power user wallets and so on. So it's like this is someone knows what they're doing. They're, it's their choice. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll let them uh, do their thing, but you gotta wait because otherwise it's trivially yeah. abusable. Because that person might buy something from you, and then once you've honored the sale. They might replace that transaction, and yeah, yeah and gift yeah. cards are irreversible, right? So yeah, yeah, it's very like desirable for from a fraud for fraudsters and whatever um, you know, product. So so it's a useful service, you guys. Which being able to identify. Yeah, yeah. So there's this flag, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so and and that flag was sort of it's like on default in certain wallets. 
but uh, in, in practice, very few people know how to use it. Uh, and so in the end, they end up with a transaction that's replaceable, but they don't know how to do it, and they don't know how to find the feature in their wallet, what does it mean, RBF, what's that, it's the three-letter acronym, blah, 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 blah. Like in practice, we, we saw like during the Binance dump, for example, uh, where there was suddenly like 100 megabytes uh, of, of data showed up and some people got stuck below it, right? So they have to wait for at least a day. Yeah, and, I, and there was a researcher, uh, OX10BC, that actually uh, uh, we collaborate on project. I asked him, like, check those transactions. How many use that functionality to, to get unstuck? Uh, and he found that around 1% of the stuck transactions successfully used uh, the RBF functionality. Um, the other 99% did not, right? Even though they were stuck. And it was like the perfect scenario for when that feature would be useful. Um, but I digress. Uh, and, uh, and so recently there was a push uh, for making a, a feature in, in Bitcoin Core nodes uh, to have nodes uh, treat all transactions as replaceable always, no matter what, right? Uh, and it's off by default, but there was... Uh, a uh, political campaign uh, from certain uh, core developers talking to miners that you should do this. Uh, Why? Why do they want every transaction to be like that? Well, there, there's many reasons. First of all, there's certain uh, attack vectors uh, called like pinning attacks and so on that can, can uh, what's the word, uh, like annoy people because you could like, uh, hey, let's open a lightning channel uh, with each other and then I'll, I'll, I'll do this pinning thing and then you can't move your bitcoins until uh, my pinning attack, uh, transaction uh, confirms in a block, which could be a day. And so I just uh, froze your bitcoins for a day. Haha. Mm, right? okay. Stuff like that. In practice, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think there's been, ever been an instance of, uh, of such attacks. Maybe cor correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, but, but it is a theoretical vulnerability, right? And some other smart contracts and stuff uh, as well. Uh, and so it was decided uh, that uh, let's let uh, every node decide, you know, uh, should, uh, should you treat all transactions as replaceable or not? Uh, but also politicking uh, the miners, right? Because in the end, what matters is what setting the miners run. Yeah, a regular non-mining node uh, is like, okay, you can think you have whatever transaction. What matters is what transactions the miners have. Um, and so that's kind of where we are now, where there, there is, I think, one mining pool that uh, uh, runs this setting. Um, and uh, uh, we, we still, uh, so far, like we have safeguards, basically, if we, we accept a certain uh, amount of risk. And if we ever get double spent once, then the feature automatically disables. And then we investigate uh, what happened. Is it something we can fix or, or not? And, uh, when it uh, when it flips and we're like yeah okay yeah it finally happened then that functionality is going to be gone yeah and then everybody will have to wait for a confirmation even the people that don't have RBF functionality in the wallet they couldn't replace they couldn't feed by bump even if they wanted to right okay yeah, right uh, and so in the end the user experience for the vast majority of people that are buying stuff uh, with Bitcoin to, like with the you know scan a QR code with your uh, with your wallet. Uh, will no longer be almost instant, right? Uh, right, and uh, and uh, there's a significant like chunk of transactions uh, every month uh, that uh, that are for commerce, uh, and uh, I think that the inconvenience of it will will reduce the the number of uh, commerce transactions on uh, on, on Bitcoin. 
which in the end is going to lead to a suboptimal outcome even for the individual miner who sort of hmm. earned 10 sats uh, uh, replacing a transaction but like from then on uh, uh, they, they're going to earn less because there are fewer transactions on the chain. So that's going to lead to more of your business being coming from other alternative cryptocurrencies. Probably. Yeah. But also Lightning maybe and uh, yeah. I mean, we have like accounts you can you can deposit Bitcoin to your account uh, in advance and so then you can just charge from your account and it's going going to go faster but but that's that's not great for decentralization, right? Nope. You need to pre-deposit, there's custody, you need to trust us with your money, as opposed to now where your money's in your wallet and you, we only get whatever you actually paid us, and it's kind of nice and Bitcoiny and so on. Um, and, and, and then like, if every merchant needs to run an account and it's, it's, it's gonna be messy, what if I want to buy something on a, you know, some service that has an open node or another service that has a BitPay or something else? Yeah, yeah. Should I have money with all of these accounts or what do you do? Just use Lightning. Well, you should use Lightning. I, I, I love Lightning and we've been big better on Lightning. But so far, again, like 20% of Bitcoin users use Lightning, yeah, but the other 80 do not, uh, right? Uh, and yeah, if you dig into it, there's reasons to it and, and, and dynamic, and maybe we can discuss that as well. But I, I don't believe that the way to get more people to use Lightning is by, uh, by uh, making the basic user experience worse. Uh, right, I think Lightning is, is good enough uh, to be competitive on its own merit. Yeah, right. And, and like some people don't use Lightning not by choice, but just because like the exchange they use or whatever doesn't have that functionality or the wallet. This show is brought to you by Fortress. Now, 4% of all Bitcoin transactions on an MOM basis go through Fortress, which equates to $7.7 billion since their inception in 2017, of which $3.6 billion happened last year, 2022, last year alone. Now, Bitcoin is more than just a holding asset. We see large organizations already using it in their day-to-day -day operations. And if you want to do this, you do not need to overhaul your system. You simply need to integrate Fortress to handle all your Bitcoin treasury operations. If you want to find out more about this, please head over to Fortress.com, which is F-O-R-T-R-I-S.com. Next up, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm not selling you Bitcoin right now, are you? I hope you're not. Now, I am also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I've also set up a DCA with twice monthly Bitcoin buys, and I've been stacking sats all through this bear market. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. And Gemini are running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I dot com forward slash WBD. Also, today we have Wasabi, who I will now be using to make sure I keep all my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi 2.0 makes Bitcoin privacy effortless as a wallet has introduced privacy by default. Rather than having to choose to coin join like in Wasabi 1, this is all done automatically. So all you need to do is receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can send privately. All the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement, something you know I'm always moaning on about. Now, you also get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi, so you don't need to leak your IP address, and there is no more minimum denomination, so you can coin join any amount, and there is no change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. 
Privacy is something I'm taking a lot more seriously and Wasabi 2 makes this so much easier. If you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. So with you running the essentially the largest e-commerce business within Bitcoin um, and you following your users or monitoring the data and users, that must be a really interesting lens into how Bitcoin is going, how yeah. crypto versus Bitcoin is going. It, it yeah. must color your views on the industry and the expectations or the goals that some Bitcoiners have. Yes, <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, you're a Bitcoiner at heart. Definitely. But your business will accept you know, Ethereum. I mean, I think, yes. Um, I think, I mean, there's been a big debate, right? Uh, I mean, in the olden days when, uh, you know, we first added Litecoin and this and that, and Bitcoin was still 95% and so on. Uh, but at, at this point, the, the question is, I think, I mean, what, what, like, are we a Bitcoin company? And like, what is a Bitcoin company? At, at the end of the day, no, nobody really knows and can define it in a good way. Uh, I think that we're like, if you go, go up uh, a level, like wh- what's Bitcoin about in the, the way that we use it? It's about financial empowerment. It's about letting people, uh, you know, do transactions on the internet uh, that they couldn't otherwise do. Yeah. Uh, right. And so we're a financial empowerment company. And uh, I think uh, uh, that if uh, a user uh, uh, uses a stable coin uh, in order to, again, achieve some kind of commerce that they couldn't otherwise do or, or whatever, then that provides uh, empowerment to them. And that's good. Uh, and we support that. Um, but uh, obviously that goes against the, the, the Bitcoin only vision and all of these things. Um, so that's where we've uh, uh, where we've landed. Like we still, it's not like we accept uh, every uh, weird uh, weird shitcoin out there. Uh, these days, we mainly look at uh, stable coins and uh, things like that. But we like look at the networks on which it's uh, it's happening. Uh, we had a Tron a year or two ago, and, uh, and then stable coins on Ethereum and now Polygon and so on. Do you get much shit for adding these? We do, uh, but. I mean, usually it's not shit from our customers. That's much rarer. Of course. Uh, because, I mean, most people, uh, I was talking to someone about this, like imagine you're installing, like for most people who use Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a tool, it's an app that they use to do whatever they want to do. They, they don't, uh, you know, uh, think of themselves as a Bitcoiner, uh, right? And like, you know, we have hundreds of apps on our phone. Like I, I don't identify with everyone. It's just an app on my phone. Uh, I, I use it because I got paid for a, for a job I did and then I bought some stuff with it and that's it, right? Uh, think of it like, you know, if you want to install BitTorrent, yeah. uh, if you want to download something uh, legal, uh, like a, a Linux distribution. I'm not a I'm not a BitTorrent maximalist. I'm a yeah. Give, where's my film? Exactly. Yeah. So you type in BitTorrent client in Google, uh, and you click someone that looks legit. You're not going to go into like, I want one that doesn't have this, that, and that feature. I want one. <laughs> right. I want the torrent one where the oh, the creator only eats steak and doesn't have seed oils. Otherwise, I'm not using that fucking torrent. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, and so. Uh, like the absence of a feature is is not 
uh, a big benefit for, for for most of our users and even I mean, even of of the Bitcoin users. Like we we ran uh, ran a, a study on like which wallets they're using and like the vast majority of the wallets that are being used uh, are wallets that have many cryptocurrencies. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and I mean, this is an exercise that anybody can do is just like open your phone, click on the App Store uh, or the Google Play Store and you type in Bitcoin wallet <laughs> and you see what uh, uh, what Apple's or Google's uh, uh, algorithms uh, say are the most popular ones uh, among people that do that query, which ones they install. I'm going to search for Bitcoin on mine. So the first thing that comes up is... As an ad for plus five hundred trading, interestingly enough, that's the first place I ever traded Bitcoin. There you go. It was a CFD. That's how they got you. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, <laughs> Silk Road got me first, but yeah, uh, buying Bitcoin on um, local Bitcoins, which RIP recently. You know, it's shut down. Yes. I thought that was very sad. It was a pain in the ass. Whereas here, I could just buy and sell like that. So the first one is Binance buy Bitcoin securely. I mean, it's, it's more fair if you type in, type in Bitcoin wallet, because uh, now you're going to get people who sell you Bitcoin. Yeah, but it's going to be a similar result. So first one is an ad for white bit, buy and sell Bitcoin. Never even heard of those. Then it's Bitcoin wallet by BTC and BCH. It's Roger Veer's wallet. Uh -huh. Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com. That isn't an ad. Then it's Coinbase, trust, blockchain.com, uh, AML safe. Binance, Bitcoin wallet for coin ID. I mean, there's so many. Crypto.com. I mean, it's dominated by ones that traditional Bitcoiners yeah. would hate. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we see that in, in, in our, uh, our users as well. Uh, you know, the, like the, the wallets that the Bitcoin community likes, like, you know, Electrum shows up, uh, yeah, Blue Wallet and Moon show up, uh, you know, somewhere in the top 20, maybe one of them in top 10. But like, most of Bitcoin users are also crypto users. Yeah. And, and I think if you view it in, through, through the lens of like, again, say you're a uh, Argentinian uh, web designer doing gigs yeah, and somebody wants to pay you uh, in, uh, in, in Bitcoin yeah, for work, yeah, you say yes. And then somebody else wants to pay you in uh, Tether and Tron for work, you say yes. Yeah, and then somebody else wants to pay in Ethereum, you say, yeah, I say yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what wallet lets me do this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, in the end, uh, of the people that are transacting with Bitcoin, um, uh, you, you see uh, such wallets, and uh, especially with, yeah, I mean, with stable coins, uh, I think it kind of, I don't know. I, I think like, stable coins kind of were the end of Bitcoin maximalism because uh, you, there's no way to fit it, like, uh, maybe this can be a soundbite uh, that like, uh, Bitcoin maximalists are like stable coins are a little bit like Jews for Jesus. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, look, I've yeah, had- the, I, Figure yourself out. <laughs> I, no, I've had the conversation plenty of times. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Svenholm, I even had a conversation on Twitter about, uh, about it with him where I was saying, it's very hard to deny people their own truth in that, uh, Bitcoin is not the right answer for a lot of people. If you're in a, yeah, it could be Turkey, Lebanon, Argentina, anywhere, you, you want some form of digital money, which is has some amount of decentralization uh, that you can be able to get paid or pay in. And some people really like 
stable coins. Like, yeah. how do you square that circle where you hate shit coins, but this platform is providing a service that people want? And now I think he still, like, sorry, can I, if I've got this wrong, but I think he still said, no, they should just understand Bitcoin. It's like, yeah. no, you should understand their life. And it's so, yeah. there, there is a reality. That, and that's why I really struggle with it. Like, but it, I mean, it comes down to the clash of visions. Yeah, and, and there is a clear clash of visions where there's two visions of Bitcoin. There is the sound money vision, and then there's the, the internet money vi uh, vision or the freedom money. Yeah, and they overlap to a large extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the thing is with uh, with values uh, is that like discussions about values are only interesting in relation to other values. That's why it's mm -hmm. called values, right? Do you want freedom or prosperity? Yes, both. Yeah, but you have to pick one. Uh, in this situation, they have to pick, right? Yeah. Uh, and so in, in terms of uh, like, do you want the sound money vision? Yes. Do you want the internet money vision? Yes. Okay. But there's situations where, where they conflict. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, and you often see that uh, in uh, like in the, in the transactional usage of, of, of Bitcoin space, uh, like people talk to customers and so on, they kind of understand, uh, you know, that, these things actually solve some kind of need for some kind of customer. And um, I mean, like, maybe we should talk more about like how this, uh, this, uh, uh, these visions, uh, I think, uh, uh, contradict, right? Because, um, I mean, the sound money vision, maybe I'm not, not doing it full justice, but like the idea is that because it has a limited supply and predictable issuance and these things, uh, it's going to be uh, the best money, and at first it's going to be a store of value, uh, and then one day uh, some kind of miracle uh, is going to happen. We can call that hyper-Bitcoinization, uh, and then suddenly everything will fix itself, and everybody is going to use Bitcoin all the time. Right? Well done. Yeah, uh, and it is slightly messianic in that sense. Uh, yeah. and, and then you have like the internet money vision, which is like, uh, okay, somebody wants to make a transaction by making a cryptographic signature, uh, and you know what? You can make transactions uh, uh, with a cryptographic signature on things that are not Bitcoin. And it achieves, uh, uh, also achieves financial empowerment. It has different sets of trade-offs, um, and you're free to choose that. Like I would still say that uh, I think Bitcoin is better according to my preference. Yeah, but I can understand uh, why why people would uh, choose some of these other things. Um, and they're not my enemy. Yep. Uh, I'm uh, like my enemy. Uh, like I want like more people uh, to be financially empowered to, to do whatever they want, right? Uh, so uh, if uh, if they're like, oh, well, yeah, I'll do it with a stable coin. Okay, so be it. I'll still try to to get them onto Bitcoin uh, as well. And I mean, stable coins. Who knows? Maybe they won't be even be around because of regulatory reasons or whatever. Um, but Fundamentally, there's a conflict there, right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, there, there is the maximalistic view and also like the more recent, uh, the Bitcoin only view, right? Uh, which is that uh, you must not have anything that is considered a shitcoin. Um, and, uh, and that's that. And basically, you don't even need to have Bitcoin, right? I mean, there was this a uh, couple of years ago, uh, the, the Bitcoin pizza. Yeah, you remember that you couldn't yeah. buy it with Bitcoin, but it was very compliant uh, with the ethos, yeah, because you couldn't buy it with shitcoins. <laughs> um, so, versus the sound money vision, like which in the end is is, is actually similar to to how uh, how uh, other cryptocurrencies promote themselves, in that it's like 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, one day everybody's going to use it. And look, here's a celebrity that uh, thinks it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And uh, we're going to have a conference and invite this random uh, politician that's been disgraced in their country or uh, something else um, to show that they like the thing. Yeah, but, it, but it's not so much anymore about using the thing. Right? Yeah. So, so if we zo zoom out in like the origins of the Bitcoin community, uh, uh, like in the olden days, Uh, Bitcoin was a thing that some nerds used uh, and they realized that uh, some other nerds were using this thing and they would hang out, <laughs> right? Uh, and talk about using this thing. Uh, and in that group, there formed uh, a certain uh, camaraderie and a set of shared values, uh, right? And, and this uh, grew and grew and also things that the, the, this group did not like, right? There was uh, so-called pre-mines, uh, yeah, which were... Um, all uh, scams mm -hmm. uh, and so there was this uh, this culture that all pre-mines are scams uh, and uh, it was like a strong norm uh, sort of like a, a community value and and then like as time went on people would hang out in that community uh, talking about this thing uh, but in the end it was less and less about the thing much yeah. like a, like you know a bridge club for old ladies uh, over the years becomes less and less about the bridge and more and more about the hanging out mm -hmm. and the shared values and so on Yeah. So, yeah, and and so in, I think in the end, like we've landed at, like a, I mean, you were joking about seed oils and whatever, but like there's a lot of things that are important in a, in, in the Bitcoin community, and I I don't know where like signing uh, signing transactions with cryptographic keys mm. ranks. Yeah, but uh, I I think it's like it, it. I would maybe think that it ranks lower than you know not using shitcoins, for example, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and something like that. And, and so then there's a clash here, right? Uh, because there's the other group that are like uh, for financial empowerment and so on. They might use Monero for privacy or uh, they might use Lightning, right? Uh, and they might uh, use stable coins or whatever. Uh, and, and so th there is this, uh, even though these two visions overlap to, to a very large extent, uh, there is a tension uh, between them and that often uh, leads to these, uh, these conflicts. Um, in the end, I, I think, uh, like, I mean, I, I share the, the original ethos in terms of, like, that, yeah, most cryptocurrencies are, are scams and we should not promote them. And, like, I agree with that. Mm. I would never promote any cryptocurrency in any way. Um, we still, like, don't accept uh, the vast majority of cryptocurrencies. No so. Denticoin. Nope. Um, And never will be, right? I mean, we look at where there's activity with people are using it. There's some kind of... Do you accept Doge? <sighs> we do. Uh, Doge is Why a funny are you thing. Why Because... It's uh, got a big community. Uh, not anymore. And it's alchemy. We added Doge in, I think, 2018 as an April's Fool's joke, uh, where we went too far and we actually did the joke. Yeah, so we, uh, we were like, Bitrefill is going to do Dogecoin. Yeah, mm -hmm. And we, uh, we rebranded to Shitrefill uh, and we added Dogecoin. Shitrefill, did, did you really do that? Yeah, have that to me. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually uh, prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so we added Dogecoin and some people were using it, so we kind of kept it around because like, it doesn't cost us a lot of upkeep. Uh, and I actually, at the time, I thought Dogecoin was great because it's uh, like... It's funny, you can't, like, it uses humor as a defense mechanism, yeah. right? And it's somewhat decentralized in the sense that there's no, like, there's no leader, there's no uh, Dogecoin company, there's no one profiting from it. It's because he rage quit. Yeah, but that counts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's maybe not entirely similar to Satoshi, uh -huh. uh, but, yeah, uh, but 
I think over the last uh, cycle, uh, when I got pumped and Elon Musk and all of that, uh, a lot of people got hurt. Yeah, of course. Uh, and and so I I don't think that joke is funny anymore. Uh, and uh, I mean, we kind of said that like next time there's an upgrade needed, then there won't be any more Dogecoin and Bitray fill. Um, so th that's why I kind of sighed a little bit because it's like it's complex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we we were in on the joke when it yeah. was funny, and we kept it around a little bit longer until it's no longer funny. And now it's like yeah, yeah. But but like there's still some people, not that many, but there are people every day uh, that are buying stuff with Dogecoin, and, and so it's also like yeah, oh, maybe they're going to be upset and so on. Like why? Why it doesn't cost us anything to uh, to keep it up? We already built the stuff. I'm trying to think how to word this. So running a company that actually deals with Bitcoin users yeah. and crypto users. It's amazing. Yeah, but... We're hiring. <laughs> You're hiring. <laughs> yeah. Developers. How many do you need? How many do you have? How many, are you growing fast? Yeah, it's uh, harder in the bear market, but uh, we haven't had a big downturn and uh, we're, we're still going strong. I mean, we're still small given the world <laughs> and I, the vision. I can only offer you brand awareness. Yeah. Um, no, what I'm saying, so how do you see the world differently then from the general kind of, like the, there are different sub-communities in Bitcoin, I know mm -hmm. that, but there is also the kind of like this, uh, there's some consistency, consistent trains of thought or consistent narratives with Bitcoin. But I, I think a lot of these come from people who aren't running a business like you. So how do you think you maybe see the world or the Bitcoin world differently from them? Well, I mean, I see the users of Bitcoin, uh, which uh, is a group that that overlaps, but but not not at all uh, completely with uh, the people who participate in the movement, uh, right? And and Bitcoin is both a thing, a tool, uh, and also like a movement, a community, right? So for example, like somebody who listens to a podcast about Bitcoin is probably uh, like a member of the movement uh, or identifies as such. They wish Bitcoin to succeed. Uh, they maybe go go to a conference. They, they, they consume content about it. They learn about it. They maybe invested in it. They they truly uh, deeply wish for it to succeed, right? But some of these people uh, might not have uh, a need to make Bitcoin transactions on a regular basis, right? Like I'm in that group as well. Like I, you know, it can happen that I, a week, weeks go by, I haven't made any Bitcoin transaction. Because, uh, you know, I live in a country, I have my own, everything kind of just works in, in, in the old fashioned way and so on, right? So I have a lot of understanding for that. Um, but then there's also the people who use the tool, uh, who are not part of the movement, uh, like we were talking about earlier, right? For mm -hmm. them, Bitcoin is an app, you type in Bitcoin in your search thingy, uh, you install the thing, uh, you do whatever you want to do, uh, and, and that's that, right? And they don't care about uh, Bitcoin, and they wouldn't, you know, like you might use a VPN, but you wouldn't go to a VPN conference and wouldn't even think about it. It probably exists, right? You use a car every day and there are car conferences, but why would you go there, yeah, right? And so on. Like there's a lot of debates in the car industry about like, oh, a real car is a veteran car. No, no, a real car is uh, whatever, yeah. right? Um, and, and like when you're a transactional uh, usage uh, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of internet money company, you talk to the people that use. Yeah, the thing, and again, some of them uh, are part of the movement, but the vast majority are not. 
right? Uh, as was evidenced by like this wallet experiment that we saw is that, you know, you wouldn't get one of those wallets uh, by uh, after going to a Bitcoin conference uh, or by listening to, to podcasts or uh, hanging out on Twitter or, or whatever. Um, and I think that within this community, there's certain dogmas and sometimes... I mean, you, you asked me the question of like, how do I see th the world differently because I'm interacting with users of Bitcoin all the time, right? Yeah, but the, the other side of that is that many of the thought leaders uh, in, in our industry do not interact with users of Bitcoin all the time. And, and as such, uh, the, the body of knowledge uh, within the community, within the movement uh, can be wrong. Uh, like, uh, or, or not wrong, it doesn't accurately represent the user base of the thing that the, uh, the movement is about. Or, trying to be as fair as possible, doesn't represent that part of Bitcoin that you're seeing. Because some sure. other people might say, yeah, circular economy doesn't matter, what we need is Bitcoin to be big enough that, you know, it holds so much value sure. that we can bring down but, fiat currencies. There's it, different ideologies. Absolutely, but in, you know what? In that group as well, if you like uh, go say, oh, hodling is using, like, okay, sure. Uh, you look at that group, you still have like the vast majority of people that hodl Bitcoin, do not, uh, you know, participate in, in the community, do not go to conferences and, and so yeah. on. Uh, for them, it's like, oh, I risk off asset in my wallet, click, click, and I, uh, in my uh, stock exchange uh, yeah. thing, and I just bought it and whatever, right? Um, so, it's it's always I think like that, uh, but I think that we've gotten a little bit too far apart uh, in these two things, uh, right? In in that like where where the community is and versus where uh, where the users are, it's a little bit too distant, uh, right? I mean, it's super strange that like at a highly technical conference, you ask people like. Uh, uh, what are the top three Bitcoin wallets by users? And like people don't can't, don't know the names of them. Uh, I, th I think that that's weird, uh, right? If you if there's people like building a wallet and like you're building a wallet and you don't know the name of the largest wallets in the world, I mean you should at least look at them to see what they're doing right. Maybe maybe they're marketing at least. <laughs> this show is brought to you by BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide. Not only do they have cutting-edge security, but they also have fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other, BitCasino is the best online casino for Bitcoiners, and with 24-7 live chat support, you can get all the help you require. To find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S, IMO.io. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Next up today, we have Iris Energy. Now, as you've probably noticed, we have been increasingly covering Bitcoin mining on the show. And as the team at Iris Energy share mine and Danny's values, they're such a great fit for what Bitcoin did and for you, our listeners. Now, Iris Energy is the largest NASDAQ listed Bitcoin miner who has used 100% renewable energies since inception. Iris Energy targets markets with low-cost excess renewable energy, and they build and operate their own proprietary data centers. And the team is led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across infrastructure, renewables, and digital assets. In fact, 
Iris Energy's NASDAQ IPO was the only Bitcoin mining IPO to be led by top-tier investment banks, including JP Morgan and Citi. Now, Iris Energy know that Bitcoin mining can be done sustainably, supporting the Bitcoin ecosystem as well as the energy transition. Iris Energy is the leading 100% renewable energy miner. And if you want to find out more about them, then please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co, or look up their ticker I-R-E-N on NASDAQ. Next up, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. With everything that happened last year in the lending market, Ledin demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach, as they don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. To find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Also today, we have Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world leader in Bitcoin security and is the best way for you to own and secure your private keys. If you're still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be time for you to take your security a bit more seriously, because remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. And Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way to start managing your private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transactions with full transparency in the Ledger Live app. And honestly, it couldn't be easier. I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017. I'm still using the same Nano S I bought then, and I've got a few more of their products. I absolutely love everything they do. Ledger also have a very new product coming. It's called Stacks. It's going to be dropping in the summer. I've already pre-ordered mine. Now, the pre-order is sold out, but there is a wait list, so go and get on that while you can. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R.com. That is shop.ledger.com. Well, should I tell you where I'm going with this? Okay. Is that, is the mission, is it losing a sense of purpose? Like the, the thing about Bitcoin, like I romanticize about what I wasn't part of, but I can see is there, there was like, it was like everyone was on this mission together. Yeah. And now the mission has become fragmented because there's so many different users coming in yeah. for different reasons. There's speculators, there's builders, there's OGs, yeah. there's... But uh, that's also natural. Like over oh, time, like, every community, you know, I've been to internet conferences. Like that's kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Look, it was always going to happen, but but therefore there can't be a unified mission because there's multiple missions. Sure. You have a mission circular economy, right? Yeah. Uh, some uh, Udi has a mission for... NFTs, um, he's probably going to telegram me now. So no, that's not my mission. But like, I've got a mission to. What is your mission? My, my mission is to get uh, Bedford, Bedford, Bedford in the football league, and yeah. on the way, Orange pill a bunch of football fans. Right. And so, what's your primary mission then? My primary yeah, mission, because when there will be moments where your Bitcoin mission and your Bedford mission uh, are in contradiction. So, which one is your primary? No, I'm pro- my, actually, my primary mission is to raise up my town. Right. Opportunity and success for my town. Right. And right now, what does that mean? It's very small. We've got 
12 guys have come in for Eastern Europe. I'm going out for dinner tonight with Embedded. To meet, you know what it is? Went out to uh, Bitcoin Beach. I was, I was the first, I think I was the first person to go out to meet Mike Peterson and see his project. And I've watched that grow. And now I get hundreds of, well, not hundreds. Yeah, probably over 100 emails from people, maybe 200 emails saying, I'm going to go to El Salvador. I'm going to go to Bitcoin Beach. Good. You should. Is it safe? Yeah, you should. Is it safe? Where do I stay? Yada, yada. Go and stay at Garten Hotel, I always tell them. And I was like, wow, isn't this cool? And then when I started the football team, I was like, I wonder if anyone will come. And they're coming. Yeah. I've had, I've got 12 guys who are coming in to Holmer Green. Now, maybe they've tied in the conference at the same time, right? But they're coming in. I had four guys flying before from Czechoslovakia, um, Czech Republic, sorry. Um, I've had people who've come on holiday from Canada or the US and they're in London. They're like, we're going to go up to Bedford. People are coming into my town and spending money in my town. So here's the question. Hold on. But also... <laughs> I will go to the Bitcoin conference in Miami and there'll be people walking around in T-shirts that just say Bedford on it. This yeah. shit little town I'm from. And then raise it freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the question. Yeah. Do you sell tickets with Bitcoin and do you pay the players for Bitcoin? <laughs> so, okay. We don't... <laughs> set, so you can pay on Bitcoin it, at the club. So if you come to the club, you want to buy your tickets with Bitcoin, your beer with Bitcoin, your burgers, your merch, Absolutely. You can buy your merch online with Bitcoin. You cannot buy your tickets with Bitcoin because the ticket company Fair we enough. use don't accept Bitcoin. I absolutely want Are to... Are you sure it's not a Bitrefill? Yeah, no, Ticket Taylor. You check out Ticket right. Taylor, the one we're using. Let's look into it. I looked at Eventbrite, <laughs> they don't. Now, the reason I went with Ticket Taylor is they're smaller and a bit unique. So I thought in my head, I'm going to work with them for a year, use their thing, and then I'm going to go to them and say, hey, I think you should have Bitcoin and I'll connect you with someone to do it and that would be really cool. Okay. Having Bitcoin alongside fiat currencies is basically a big fucking pain yeah. because there is no integration between the, uh, say, open node that we're using and the POS, which is Zettle. And so all the Bitcoin payments, we literally have a spreadsheet and we write them yeah. down. And then I have to go into Zettle and then knock those. It's just a pain. Some, like, yeah. Someone hasn't solved that. But yes, we and we also... Um, the players could get paid in Bitcoin if they wanted. Nobody does because they don't care too much about Bitcoin, yeah. they're players. We had one player last year who did, Connor Okus, who you all know. Um, but so that's that's not a thing. But my approach with the football club isn't to throw Bitcoin down people's necks. It's like, here's a football team, come and watch them. Oh, by the way, before the game, we've got a meetup. Do you want to come? Oh, yeah, we'll come. Sure. But if you come to the game, you don't feel like you've got one of the annoying Bitcoiners going, fucking, you know, buy Bitcoin, fiat money's rubbish. You know, yeah. like, it's, it's there, but it's not in their face. Yeah. Um, because you're a socialist, have a guy. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a socialist. Yeah. I'm a realist. Yeah, well, yeah. And I mean, you just explained some of the difficulties in terms of <laughs> Listen, growing I, this thing. I fucking hate the government right now as much as anyone, right? I am completely anti. My government here in the UK is fucking shit. They are like, we've got an unelected prime minister who is a psycho, who I think is a pretty much psycho, who's pushing forward CBDCs. He talks to everyone like they're five-year-olds. He replaced, like, we've just got an appalling government and we've got no uh, viable, credible alternative. They're both shit, right? In, I think, do you know what? The other thing I should have said to people, it's not that I'm pro-democracy. I think government is a reality. You get rid of government, you get new government, but you get rid of democratic governments, you might get something worse. And so I'm a realist. It's like, how do we make this better? How do we, in, in a democratic society, how do we uh, give more control to the electorate and less control to the elected? But but I'm not an, 
yeah, I'm not a burn it all down because if you burn it down, it just it can come back worse. Yeah. yeah look at look at Turkey. Turkey, it, it, you know, it was a thriving democracy until Erdogan yeah. took over it. Now it's a, he's a fucking dictator who's cr- killing their economy, and that's I've seen that in multiple countries. So strong institutions and a strong electorate to me are important because governments are reality. Did I explain that well? Yeah, I mean. Uh... I don't know. Uh, is that controversial? <laughs> well, no, but it is. No, it, it makes you a status cuck. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, but you own it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I agree with this stuff. So maybe I'm a status cuck as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fundamentally, the primary function of a nation state is to protect you from other people that have a nation state. And if you don't yeah. have a nation state, they will invade you and enslave you and rape your women and uh, murder your children and so on. And we can watch that happening uh, in, in Ukraine right now. And yeah. you kind of learn the lesson that you maybe, like we haven't figured it out yet, uh, a solution uh, to that is better than nation states uh, for the specific case of, again, protecting you from other nation states. Well, yeah, if you if you get rid of all of the nation states, yeah, but we don't know sort of like what that world uh, would uh, would look like. I don't. Uh, yeah, so I agree with you. Protect you from other nation states, but I'm not too keen on this uh, growth and protect you from yourself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like you know, let us let us live free freely as much as we can with yeah. our own country. Well, the interest I find it I find it so fascinating this this contrarian, and I do think it's contrarian. The contrarian. Uh, rev- uh, view uh, uh, that I've seen permeate through Bitcoin of a certain group of people who are defensive about Putin and defensive about Russia. Sure. Or if there are accusations against Putin and Russia, then with that, they're like, well, you know, what about the UK or the US yeah. are exactly the same. And I cannot for the life of me see which, how people... Which, which is like... Uh, 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 Classic Russian uh, propaganda argument. I know. Comes, I mean, it's called whataboutism. Uh, yeah, there's an excellent uh, Wikipedia page uh, if you search for, but in America, they're lynching Negroes, uh, which was like in the 70s where uh, the Soviet Union was uh, critiqued for, I forget which atrocities. Yeah, and uh, they went to the end. But yeah, but look in the US, uh, uh, they were, they were lyn- lynching Negroes. Like, okay, how, how does that make your thing better? Like, yeah, you, you know, like, uh, but it's uh, like, we, just point at someone else doing something bad, and then uh, we're no worse than that. I know. Well, I had yeah. it a week because I um uh, this I got this tweet sent to me by this Leia Hyperm where she was uh, tweeting about Putin, saying about him being um, making how is it he makes so much sense in this weird world. And so I ret- retweeted it. Well, no, actually, he's a psychopathic dictator who murders journalists, um, uh, mur- um, uh assassinates opposition leaders, uh, has invaded multiple countries and leads an army of rapists and murderers. I think that's a fair kind of depiction of him. And I said, <laughs> see below for whataboutism. And like literally people kept delivering whataboutism. And yeah, yeah. look, the the allied invasion, let's call it that, because it was the UK and US invasion of Iraq was a crime. Absolutely, George Bush yeah. and Tony Blair should have been up in The Hague. But to try and say that our countries are the same is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Nobody, no, but you're literally repeating Russian propaganda. I, I know. And, well, uh, but I mean, I, I like. Sorry, I, can I, I just can I just finish sorry. my my point? What I was trying to get to is that when I put it out, these people are saying, "Ha, huh, you're just falling for BBC or Western propaganda." I was like, "No, you're fucking falling for Russian propaganda." Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, a big part. Uh, like, I mean, I've been 
getting into this whole uh, situation uh, in the past year with the Ukraine war and so on, and I, I speak Russian and uh, consume a lot of content uh, about those things. And I mean, a cornerstone of of, of the strategies uh, of of Russia, also China, not just Russia. Uh, to undermine uh, uh, Western democracies uh, is to sow uh, discord uh, in, in society. And, and so whatever group they find, uh, they don't particularly care about Bitcoin or shitcoins or anything like that, but they find a group uh, that is uh, against uh, the status quo. You know, it, it can be Bitcoin, it could be QAnon, it could be uh, anti-vax, it can be a, a lot of these things. Uh, they will get involved, uh, promote some stuff, have some bots, this and that. Like, just make sure to amplify the message and to, to boost it. And I'm uh, completely sure that this stuff is happening uh, in the uh, in the Bitcoin space. Uh, again, I don't think, or I don't know that they would pay particular interest to to Bitcoin community, but definitely there it's there. Uh, and it's just again, there is a very clear red thread. Right, the red thread is I am against the current thing, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, any community that is against the current thing, whatever the current thing is, uh, is going to get uh, support from those sides. I mean, they've been sponsoring the far right and the far left uh, since always, right? And you still now you go to like a so-called anti-war rally, uh, and there's going to be you know Russian flags and like anarchist left and like uh, far right uh, anti-immigration and all these guys that are together in this weird kumbaya, yeah, uh, because they have a bit uh, like. And it's like, how, why do they hang out together? Well, they, they share one thing. They're against the, com- the the current thing. Yeah, but the shame about that against the current, which, by the way, was brilliant, because as soon as I'm for the current thing came out, somebody really went, well, yeah, but I'm against the current thing. And so the, the amazing thing about that is that a whole group of people identified that Ukraine is part of the I'm for the current thing. And so then a whole group of people felt like, well, I cannot support Ukraine in this situation yeah. when they've been wrongfully and illegally invaded yeah. by another country and and but i mean it doesn't matter if the current thing is the sky is blue yeah there's going to be a set of uh, people that are like don't tell me which color the sky is yeah, yeah, I don't believe like, you. <laughs> why can't we be nuanced about the current thing let's be nuanced about this let's, let's discuss the facts where they are but the real because shame you're, is you're not an independent thinker <laughs> if you're always polar opposite <laughs> yeah to the mainstream opinion right <sighs> <laughs> Well, I sometimes prefer some of the mainstream opinion than I do from this contrarian opinion. Oh, boy. But then sometimes I'm on the contrarian side. I think I'm getting some of your hate now. Yeah. No, sometimes (laughs) I'm with the contrarians. Like, I'm contrarian with money. I think it should be out of the hands of the state. Are you contrarian with Bitcoin? Uh, I'm (laughs) all over. I'm all over. Well, I'm... (laughs) You are somewhat. Yeah, but like I stick to my guns on it. It's like, you know... One, there's a few things I've stuck to my guns on. One I've stuck to my guns on is that most people aren't going to run a node or give a shit. Doesn't matter what you say, they aren't. Most don't give a shit about what an X-Bub is, what a UTXO is. They don't care. They want to buy it, see a number, and move it. And that's it. And however much you want them to care, they're not going to care. They True. just don't. And yes, a small percentage will care, yeah. but those small percentage tend to be the techie, the early ones, and they think everyone should be like them and they yeah. won't be. Uh, which brings us to, to another vision conflict that we have, yeah. uh, which we think is important to, to kind of articulate and to think about is like, is the vision... So, I mean, everybody wants more people to use Bitcoin and whatever definition of use uh, that you want to choose. Um, but do we want everybody in the world 
to be orange pilled and to share in all of the shared values uh, of uh, of the Bitcoin community. Uh, and do we think that's a realistic goal? Uh, right? Or do we want as many people as possible to use Bitcoin as a thing, uh, even though they might not share in the values and just, you know, don't give a fuck? I think the um, want doesn't matter. I think it's the reality. It goes back to my point sure. early on. But, but, but also the first one, I think it's like, it's unrealistic. Uh, like there's no ideology that's covered the whole world ever. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, no one at least. Well, yeah, we, we have like Christianity, like a billion or two. Uh, and so on Islam is similar, but like that's, but that's still not just a fraction of the world. But 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 the the technical the adoption of Bitcoin is going to is going to happen faster than you can scale Bitcoin ideology or a Bitcoin ideology that you think everyone sure. should adhere to. It's, and that's why, again, going back to that earlier point, Jason's book so important because Bitcoin is now getting into progressive groups, okay, and it's getting into different geographies in different countries and different cultures, and therefore. We need to get out of this kind of like this uh, monoculture of Bitcoin, which is kind of drifts between, it, t- it tends to go more to uh, libertarian ideas and conservative ideas, which I have nothing against. It's just that shouldn't dominate, well, it's not going to dominate the conversations in the future. It's going to be, it's going to be just part of, it's going to be a layer through all the culture. And so I think any conservative Bitcoiner who hates a progressive should actually put their hand out to them and lend them hands and teach them about Bitcoin and why it's good for progressives because we don't need to fight this issue. Yeah. But I mean, I think fundamentally, as we said, like as communities grow, they fragment and they fragment and they fragment and the Bitcoin community has fragmented so many times. I mean, today what we call the shitcoin community was, you know, part of the Bitcoin community. It's fragmented and then it's fragmented again and in different ways and so on. And so, in the end, I, I don't even know if it's the most worthwhile to try to change the community because there's many flavors of it. I mean, today already there's very there's a lot of Bitcoin conferences and they have different yeah. they have different flavors, yeah, and and you you can I mean you can't go to all of them at this point, so you have to choose a little bit and so on, and you go to the ones that more align with your vision and all of that, which is great. Yeah, but fundamentally, I think that community at all does not scale uh, enough. Uh, I think the tool scales, uh, the community does not, uh, right? Because uh, again, we're not going to come up uh, with a set of shared ideals that we can convince everybody in the world to partake in. Uh, I mean, we can't even explain it in in all languages, uh, right? Uh, Whereas if it's a thing and it's useful, uh, then actually a lot of people are uh, going to be using it, it's going to empower them. I can give you an analogy to this. I think that VPN uh, is uh, is a good model for uh, how we can grow uh, the transactional use of, of internet money, right? So VPN is is a forty four billion dollar per year industry. Really? Yes, it's it's, Holy it's shit. huge, and, and and so if you run the numbers, so say that half of that is like corporate whatever, yeah. But the other half, twenty billion, is people who pay five bucks a month uh, for for a VPN service. Okay, five bucks a month, sixty bucks uh, uh, per year. And then you divide 44 billion by 60 bucks and it lands at like two, 300 million people in the world use VPN. So that's to get free Premier League football. Right. So, so all of these people are buying, you know, privacy and internet freedom and empowerment. Uh, but they don't know that they're buying that. They're, they're, they're buying Premier, watch Premier League football or watch American Netflix. They're, they're paying for 
I can do stuff on the internet that I couldn't otherwise do. Yes. Right. And, and when it comes to the money stuff, there, there is a massive demand for that. We talked about getting paid in different countries. I mean, even e-commerce in a lot of countries is really hard. Like uh, there's a, you know, if you're in the US or UK, like you, you don't know that if you're well banked and so on, but like in certain countries, like your, your credit, even if you have a credit card, which not everybody does, like your credit card might not be accepted uh, on most e-commerce stores because your country is seen as at high risk for fraud. And uh, they decided that, ah, it's just a couple of percent, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, and they cut you off. And you, you can't buy the sneakers that you want to buy. Uh, and uh, there, is a, there are solutions. Like you, you can uh, acquire Bitcoin somehow, you figure it out locally. Uh, and for example, things like BitRefill, or you just find a merchant that accepts Bitcoin, and then it suddenly it lets you do things that you couldn't otherwise do. Yeah, right. And, and so if we think about how VPN got to this stage, so VPN is a 25-year-old technology. I'm sure there are conferences, but again, most of these hundreds of millions of people have never visited a VPN conference. VPN fest. They've never listened to probably a podcast about VPN. Yeah, they, they probably heard ads about VPN in other podcasts about other things. Right? Maybe it yeah. what, what, hmm? v, what VPNs did. Yeah. That's what we need. Exactly. It sounds boring as fuck. A VPN conference or a VPN podcast. Sure. But you know what? Most of the world says the Bitcoin <laughs> conference is the same way. No, I'm with you. Uh, and, and, and so... Uh, how did VPN get to that point? Uh, well, you, you build something useful, you, you do different marketing tactics, you, you, you present marketing messages to, to groups of people that you think might be receptive <laughs> to the value proposition, yeah, right? I mean, it, it's like, it's very basic stuff if you just zoom out from this, like, uh, uh, the, like this all-encompassing Bitcoin community where you're like, uh, hang on Twitter all day uh, and so on, you know who the leaders are and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you just zone out and like, Think of like normal companies, normal businesses, industries. Like that is how things grow, right? You build something useful uh, and you try to present it to somebody who might find it useful. Maybe they would, maybe they won't. You try different things uh, and so on. And it, it's grown steadily. Like there's no big uptake. There's, uh, there was no like one day where everybody signed up to VPN. Uh, it's just been, you know, steady, 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 steady. And then people in different countries discover that oh, wait, uh, actually, okay, I want to watch Premier League. Oh, I want to watch cricket or I want to watch American Netflix or uh, I want to buy a plane ticket from a different country and all of these reasons that are, again, very convoluted ways of saying I need privacy on, on the internet. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then it grew, right? And I, I think that we need to be looking at these things because it's a similar technology, right? It, it is like freedom, privacy, empowerment, which the like core values of, of Bitcoin as well uh, to see how can this thing, how can we replicate uh, these things? Like imagine if a VPN told you like which food you should eat <laughs> like, or, or not eat or uh, which political opinions you should have uh, or, or, or whatever, right? Uh, what's your stance on uh, wearing a mask uh, or Putin or <laughs> uh, like... They're neutral. <laughs> Exactly. They're software. They're a thing. <laughs> it's just an app. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to have a political opinion. But and that's the same as Bitcoin. Bitcoin's just an app. There we go. Yeah, and uh, and, and and that's. I mean, that's what we're trying to grow at Bitrefill, and uh, we're trying to uh, interact with all the other uh, services companies, uh, people who want uh, Bitcoin to be this global thing. Because I, I think that, I mean, it can't be. 
<laughs> this is also going to sound very simple. It can't be the money of the world if it's not the money of the world. <laughs> and it's, it can't be, it's not the money of the world if you can't use it to buy stuff. <laughs> like it's, it's very simple, yeah. you know, it's like, oh no, no, first it must be some money. And then it's like, no, okay, who came up with that? And like, what's the underpinning of that? Yeah, right. Um, it, it's uh, like, wh where does that come from? Like, how do you know? Like, ah, oh, this is what happened to gold. Like, I very much doubt that there was in the early days of gold, a community of people that say, hey, you should buy this. Yeah, it's going to go up in value. And then one day, everybody's totally going to use gold. Like, no, it's not how it works. You know, it has two properties. It's a, it's a, has a, a scarce supply and it's useful in commerce. Right? And you combine these two things, it becomes a good money. Hey, right? listen, Satoshi <laughs> said that in the white paper. He specifically talked about online commerce. Look, everything that happens in Bitcoin uh, was said by Satoshi and, and uh, the following, uh, at least within six months. Satoshi also said uh, he, he might, uh, might want to get some in case it catches on, right? Which, uh, like, that was the kickoff of the speculative mania uh, that is uh, not just Bitcoin, but also the entirety of the cryptocurrency industry, but also Bitcoin, <laughs> right? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like it started right there, <laughs> it was like first weeks, um, and so on. So, so all of these things uh, were there, but fundamentally, um, if if you couldn't use Bitcoin to make transactions, then it would just be an NFT. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right. It's just like a meme thing that people assign value to for some arbitrary reasons, and it goes up in speculative reasons because they think that that value is going to go up, and it becomes this game that like Bitcoin haters see it as. Yeah, and uh, I, th you know, th that's not my vision. Like uh, my vision is uh, again uh, for everybody to be able to click and click to pay you know a world where uh, remittances uh, is in the same part of the dictionary as long distance phone calls yeah it's like just an outdated concept that we, we don't have anymore where if you can talk to someone you can pay them uh, right uh, if you can visit the website you just click a button and you pay like all of these things that, like if if money worked in the way uh, that the internet works like what, what an amazing world wouldn't we have Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, this, this was uh, and still is, uh, you, you know, the original vision of Bitcoin, um, even though that now there's many different uh, visions of Bitcoin, there's still a very vibrant community who, uh, who see this as, uh, as the vision of Bitcoin. And I think that now in the bear market, where there's going to go up forever, uh, vision of Bitcoin uh, is kind of uh, uh, on the down low uh, temporarily. Um, more and more people are questioning things and like, you know, um, Maybe we do want uh, a world where uh, your Bitcoin wallet is, is opened every day for a reason or another. We could do this for hours. I know, but that was such a lovely way you ended it. Ended Money for the world. Uh, okay, like tell people where to go. Where do you want them to go? Go and check bit refill out. And bring back shit refill. I don't know if that domain works uh, anymore, but go to bitrefill.com. Uh, if you uh, if you want to buy something with Bitcoin, uh, it's a good place to do so. If you don't, that's completely fine. We love you anyway. Well, listen, congratulations. You've built a company that's survived for many years in Bitcoin and has been growing and uh, everyone loves and respects what you've done. Uh, and I love you and I respect what you've done as well, man. So I wish you a wonderful weekend and uh, yeah, we should do this again sometime. I hope so. With Danny. Yeah. We'll have Danny next time. No offense. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. All right. Thanks. Okay. 
What do you make of that? Did you enjoy that? Now, listen, Serge is definitely a guy you need to listen to. He's got a very rational approach to Bitcoin. He's been around for a long time, definitely an OG. And I found myself agreeing with him a lot. But, you know, the guy has built a business that accepts Bitcoin. He's built a business on Bitcoin and a very successful business. So definitely somebody we need to listen to. Anyway, thank you for listening to What Bitcoin Did. I love you all. Thank you for supporting everything I do. Hopefully, this week, Rail Bedford will win the cup and all but win the league. We can get it down to just goal difference, which is very exciting. Hopefully, I'm going to see some of you at our live event on Friday the 14th and come to the final home game on the 15th. All of that stuff. It's all up on whatbitcoindid.com. Click on WBD Live. If you want to get in touch, you can drop me an email. That's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Or you can come and join us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash whatbitcoindid. 